0: being a coach didn't define me you know what really? I'm saying I mean really I love being yeah. called coach I love the, my players I loved it all the time my guys you know even have to kick the rear end or love them and hug them and make them better people and that kind of thing I, I I loved it that I missed that more than anything but I you know it didn't define me I mean I I had six reasonable amount of success You know, and a 25-year experience as a as a head football coach, and um, you know, I can move on and do something else. And when you back away from it, when you get away from it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you look at the time and the commitment and every minute of the day and guess what you never it, you, the switch was never off because you always have some problems with players going on so you you know i did more problem solving at three o'clock in the morning my whole life as, as career yeah. as a football coach than i did you know you just that's just the life you lived i mean you're you know you're running your own company you're running your own business and uh and it's so people oriented because you? you have 100 i had 127 players on our team And so all all of them have their issues and their problems and you have to work with and so on and so forth.
1: Gary Pinkle is the all-time winningest coach at two different schools, Toledo and Missouri. He was also a college teammate of Nick Saban under the late, great Don James at Kent State. As a head coach, Pinkle won a MAC championship, three Western Division titles in the MAC, three Big 12 North Division championships, and two SEC Eastern Division titles before retiring at the end of the 2015 season from Missouri due to health issues. Hi, I'm Bo Mattingly, and this is a special Being podcast. Being is a series that takes a deeper look into sports personalities and or sports issues. And today... We're gonna pick Gary Pinkle up from the airport on the way to the Northwest Arkansas Touchdown Club, and we're gonna cover a variety of topics. I hope you enjoy being Gary Pinkle. How, how have you been? How's your health?
0: You know, uh, good. Okay. I'm you know I, uh, I every six months I go to Mayo, yeah, uh, Minnesota, and uh, I just got back about two weeks ago, and it's, I'm, I'm clear still. Um, it's in remission. Uh, it will never be gone. I mean, it's something. Type of there are ninety nine types of lymphoma. And the one that I have is one that uh, I, I, my body, when I got two and a half years ago, it got diagnosed and, <clears throat> and I got treatment, of a drug called rituximab, uh, and it was monotherapy, so was just one drug in itself and my body reacted very well to it. And you know, it's just, you don't know. I mean, my, my doctor always tells me that it's, you're going to actually get treatment again, it's going to come back. So and not to, you know, I just like think straight. I don't, you know, just tell me like it is. Don't tell me any different. But I, you know, I, 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 just I wanted to de-stress my life, and and I did, and for all the right reasons, you know, priority-wise. Um, and uh, you know, I feel I have, I have I feel very good about what I did, and um, you know, I I priori- you know, I got eight grandkids, and you know, married, and got you know, uh, great great family, and. Now I get to do what I want to do every day. Yeah. You know, uh, that's what people ask. What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, the first thing I tell them is I get to do anything I want to do, and that's uh, even though I got projects going. I got a book out now, Hundred Yard Journey, and uh, that's been fun. We're doing that with Dave Matter. Where we we it took us about eight nine months to get that done, mm-hmm. and that's been going pretty good. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm enjoying myself.
1: When they tell you you have cancer, mean everybody's got somebody they know that has cancer, but if you haven't had cancer. What is that like when they tell you, you have cancer? That seems like the worst thing yeah. you can hear about yourself.
0: and I've been very healthy my whole life, you know. My health's been important to me because my, my brother and sister saw my book, but my brother and sister had a disease called hereditary spastic paraplegia, so when they reached adolescence they lost their ability to, to walk and by the time they are 17 or 18, they they're in wheelchairs, my brother passed away, my sister's uh, you know still living and she's doing really well. And, But, so, health is, for me, it was a whole different, I was blessed, you know, to be, get up and walk around. And so I've always taken care of myself. So, I have, you know, I have a lymph node swollen here, and a lot of times that happens to people if they get sick and that's your lymph system, you know, trying to help you out and and do what it does. And I'm a little bit paranoid. I'm paranoid about anything in my body, you know, just because just of my past. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went to our trainer and said, hey, you know, I want to <clears throat> check this thing out. And so they, uh, Ellis Rochelle, which is an MD Anderson at the University of Missouri is uh, connected with, I went over there and uh, they diagnosed it. And the guy looked at me and, uh, you know, he, 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 he took the lymph node out, left, uh, and I, I came back next day. Pathology report said that uh i have follicular lymphoma and you're right i i, I drove around the next couple of days and i'd be looking in my rearview mirror and i'd be going i got cancer i, I got freaking cancer and it was and it was it was it was you know it was it was just hard to believe because i felt so good and uh and then I started reading everything. I know everything about lymphoma now. I started, I and I still, the neat thing about what's happening with cancer around the country is, is they're making great strides in all different types of cancer. And you always try to read to kind of find out what's going on, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people that have worse cancer than I have, you know, that the diagnoses are different. And, but when you're on the team, you know, it's amazing how many people come up to me, you know, and who've had cancer, who have cancer. It's amazing. And when you're on the team, you're on the team, you know? Yeah. And n- nobody can understand it unless you have it, and uh, can fully understand it. But as you mentioned too, cancer touches nobody. There's nobody in this country that doesn't have some way they're connected to someone that has cancer, and uh, battle on, keep fighting. Yeah. One of these days, they're not going to let a, a Missouri guy in Arkansas. <laughs> there's going to be one of the days when yeah. they, when they this when, well when this when this when this rivalry gets going i really believe it really gets going you, you know, really believe
1: that you uh, really believe it's going to take off
0: oh yeah someday it will no question historically it will uh
1: it feels kind like well it's, of like it's
0: a, a little odd because
1: it, so here you are here's your rival yeah
0: and a lot of times those are built historically for a long like, like the ride we have in kansas we went back i mean it's one of the longest rivalries in the country and uh it's it's a it's a competitive hatred um to the point when we went to the SEC, they said we'll never play you in any sport again, and they haven't since we left. You know, yeah. like like little kids, that, you know, take their, their their toys and go home because things didn't go away uh, well for them. Um, and that's a and that's a great one. And but I think it will. I, I don't have a question about it. Just you, you just can't wa- wave a magic wand and say, you know, this is a rival. It's it's a rival. Certainly, time's going to time is going to do that. And then there's going to be a time when we're both you know with 10 wins here. And you know, fighting for that last game, you know, to get that extra win, that type of thing. That, yeah. that's my
1: beliefs. The thing about the SEC, it's interesting sometimes, is that I don't know if you really have rivals, but you def, there's there's a lot of competitiveness consistently.
0: Just in the league. Where it's back and forth. Yeah. You know. And, and that's the SEC though. That's yeah. that's you know, it's the fans, the fan base, and I try to tell people, you know, what the difference is. And it, there's a you know, difference certainly for players and in football and programs and everything else, but the fan, the fan base of the SEC is you know, i always told our fans that you got to become SEC fans. You know, we have to make the transition, but you, you have to also do it because the fans are passionate. Passionate about everything. Yeah. That's my, that's my observation.
1: How did you, how were you able, Arkansas and Missouri are similar in that people are going to tell you, ah, you can't win there. Mm-hmm. It's hard to recruit there. You don't have a lot of in-state mm-hmm. players that are on a, you know, top 350 list in the country or whatever so how how do you win in a program like that?
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, just you know, do you have a program that can develop players and, and infrastructure that that, uh you evaluate and, you know player development, we used to call it Mizzou Made, you know you know, how many first round picks we've had and we've had like 9 or 10 in the last you know, since i was been there, you know I had uh, been there uh, and, uh, so, uh I don't know. You know, for us, over over, you know, our first four years there, we I hired a program that had two winless seasons in 17 years. That's what I. That's what they handed handed me. Okay. Right. And so our staff and we did what we did at Toledo what we did when I played at Kent State with Don James and he took it to Washington I took it from was- Kent State to Washington I took it to Toledo we won and we came to Missouri and so we implemented this football program A to Z attention to detail organized and it took us about four years to change the culture the culture was really difficult much more difficult than I thought and once we changed it we, we in the next 11 years we went to nine bowls, won six of them, won five divisional championships, three in the Big 12, two in the SEC. And played in four championship games, and and so you know we did what they said you couldn't do. They said you can't do that at Missouri. I mean, I, you know, the people told me that. Would you, you know? I remember Nick Saban telling Nick, telling me, "What are you going to Missouri for?" And uh, but we did it, you know. And that was a, that was an 11-year period of time. And we were winning in the top 15 numbers-wise in that 11-year in that period of time in, in the nation at that time.
1: So so what was uh, the plan? I mean, well,
0: that, that's our system. That's our plan. It's attention to detail. It's have a plan for everything. It's, it's, a, it's about having a process in place and then getting everybody in, in your organization to do the detailed things in every area every day. And that was my job to get that done. That's, that's what I learned from Don James. And and it it's worked. Like I said, you know, it, it it's you know you can't win at Kent not state you can't do it. Well, he went in there. And guess what? We won a championship that year. You know, when I when I was there, and you know Jack Lambert was on that team yeah. and Nick Saban that. And so
1: you played uh, at Kent State. Yeah. You yeah. And Nick Saban were.
0: Yeah. Were yeah. He, yeah. He was. He was a year older than us. Nick was, and but uh, you know you could not come at Kent State in the worst time. They just had four. Players, four students killed the year before, and that May Fourth incident. So you can't. And they told Don James, "You don't go there. You can't do it." And I think he was defensive coordinator at Colorado at the time. So anyway, he becomes head coach, and this little guy walks in. I remember the first team meeting. He walked in. This the guy walks in, and you know, he just amazing guy. You know, he just he, just, he had, and you could tell right away. He, you know, me as a player, sophomore in high school, excuse me, in college. Um, no, end of my freshman. You're going into my sophomore year. Uh, you could just tell right away that the guy knew what he was doing because it was like bam, 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 everything, right. everything, and it was uh, it was pretty impressive. And so, you know, that's that program that that he put in there. You know, again, I, I, I take the, where it goes. Washington had won championships for a long time. and I think he won five or six in the national championship, and then uh, and then. You know, certainly I took it to Toledo and we won the high level and and then came to Missouri. And that's what we told recruits. We'd go in the home, especially in the state of Missouri and St. Louis, Kansas City. We'd go in the homes. And, and you know, I go in and say, you know, you know, they've been losing you know, a couple couple years with Larry Smith. They did they did they did pretty good, but the culture was still what it was. You know, we had to deal with. So in recruiting, you go in home. They look at you. Okay, here comes another new. Here's a here's a new, Mizzou football coach. You know, I just they go through about every four or five years this is the new one. So you're going there and trying to explain to them why you're different than everybody else. And and the and the story that we told was we'd back up even to when I was a player and we, all my coaches to tell the same story. What we're doing has worked. It worked at Kent State University. It worked at Washington. It worked at Toledo, and it's going to work here. And so there was some substance to what I was saying, what we were saying, and and that's the the Don James program, and it it, it worked, but but it was it really helped us, other than just coming in and saying, oh yeah, we're going to win, and we got a good plan here, to have someone see the success that it had. And that we were going to duplicate that here. Was it going to be easy? No. But we are going to duplicate that here. And through time, we did it.
1: That's amazing. I'm sure everybody asks you about Saban because he's had so much success. You know, was he like that when he,
0: he when wrote, he wrote the player? Fore- he wrote the foreword in my book. Uh and he he wrote it too, and because I, I when I when I when I talked to him I said if you can just give some bullet points you're busy some bullet points to to um, to somebody there to help you out you know he's cause right. he's doing he's doing a million things and right and I mean he did it he did it all the secretary kept telling me well he's not done with it yet coach he's you know he's working on this and he's getting that done and when I read the thing I, I got like tears in my eyes a little bit because wow you know he he with things he said in that in that in the forward. Were things that he never looked in my face, and never said to me before, and it was really, it was really interesting.
1: Yeah. What were a couple of things that stand Well,
0: the thing he said to me, I mean, one was that he, that you know, he, he talked about how he, 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 he kind of idolized me, you know, and how I lived, how I trained. I and mean, am I'm, I'm reading this thing, going, wow. What the heck, you know? And I think we had great respect for one another. We really do. And I always had great respect for him. You knew he was going to be successful. It's kind of, you know, we're both kind of very focused people, kind of, we both don't need caffeine, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, It's a lack of a better uh, phrase. Um, But, uh, you know, he is going to go down. He very likely will go down as perhaps the best football coach that's ever coached. Right. The level that he does it year after year with 85 scholarships, it's it's not been done what he's doing, and uh, and you know it is what it is, and not because he's my friend, but just because he's he's, Coach James had a huge influence on him because he was going to go work for his dad, and and his dad had a car business and he was going to try to do that and get some car dealerships, which he's done, you know, outside his business now, but that was that's what he was going to do and go back to West Virginia and then do that with his father. And Coach James grabbed him and said, do you ever think about being a graduate assistant? And he goes, no, no, I never thought about that. And he says, so Coach James talked to him. And he said, and again, this was, my, this was going into my senior year because he graduated a year ahead of me in college. And and he asked him, and, and, he, and he says, well, I just think you should give it a try. He, he says, you have nothing to lose. You just try it out. Just try it. And the rest is history. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Isn't that neat? Yeah. That, that, that uh, he just called his dad and said, Dad, I'm gonna, I'm just going to give it a shot here. And his dad encouraged him. Okay, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, do you think Coach James had a little bit of influence on him, too? Yeah. Well, you know, when, when you work for Don James, you work for Bill Belichick, you probably learned a little bit, I would suggest. Yeah. You know, those guys are.
1: But still, the consistency is the thing that's remarkable, yeah, right? Yeah. Because when. People have success. It's the hardest thing in the world just to keep, for whatever reason. But
0: well, that's, that's the head coaches. That's the head coaches. In our business, basically, it boils down to who the head coach is. I mean, it, let's cut to the chaser. That's generally what happens. Is you know, you, you know, can you run a program operationally, run a program, and can you win? And that's ultimately. And, and we're, we looked in, we're at a guy at Alabama at a place that you can that you have the ability to do that, but the consistency of how he did it does it and. You know, Nick talks about the process all the time, and I talk about the process you know, all the time too. And the process is that's that's what Don James did. That's the daily making sure that everything in your organization, whether it's academics, whether it's food service, whether it's strength and conditioning, or it's coaching, that in every one of those areas are functioning every day in a high-level efficiency, taking care of problems, solving problems, uh, making yourself better. But th- that's the process. Now, if your process is average, if your process people you know people start to use that word more now, process probably because I said it quite a bit, but certainly because Nick Saban does. Uh, you know, the, the, if your process is good, that's really how you do it. Yeah. If your process is weak, it doesn't really matter. And that's what we did. I, that was my job daily: op make that make that thing operationally was running high efficiency all the time.
1: And What do people not understand about the life of being a coach? And we hear about the grind, but if you haven't really lived it, well, (laughs) you know, I can tell you now because
0: when I was coaching, I didn't think anything of it. Right. When I when when I when I retired uh, last two years ago, uh, I couldn't. I I mean, that December, you know, we had a banquet, and I'm not the head football coach here anymore, and, and. that I I couldn't believe the pace of life I couldn't believe it I mean you know I just it it just it just was kind of mind-boggling to me the only time I've ever looked at it that way is when I completely backed away from it because I loved what I did but you're gone all the time I mean you're gone all the time and um you know I apologize to my kids a little bit you know obviously for me though it was my kids when I didn't golf when my kids were little and stuff because I didn't I didn't want to put the time in there whether the only time I had I could I would do that I didn't do that but um, you will not see your family much you know and as compared to other other jobs and but the grind is tough and the pressure is staggering and the pressure of being a head football coach is is' hard to describe to anybody you know it's hard to it's hard to, it's but it's it's tremendous, and you have one has to learn how to ha, ha, how to manage that because I've seen many head coaches get fired because they could that you, you could just I can see by interviewing that they could not they just weren't they weren't dealing with they weren't handling it right, and it's certainly it's just very very it's 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 it's, it's very hard to do you know one of one of the. Kind of defining moments for me when I became head coach of Toledo, I go into Coach James' office and I say goodbye to him, give him a hug and say goodbye to him and he didn't say much. You know, he didn't that's kinda of way he is, a little bit. he would wouldn't say much and start, you know, throwing out all types of advice. And he said to me, he, he you know, I walked out and I walked back in, I said, I have no idea why I walked back in and said, Do you have any words of advice? Kinda of with a smile on my face. I, I had, you know, I don't know why I did that. Yeah. I just did and he looked at me and he dropped he his glasses off and he, and he looked at that serious eyes right on me, he focused right on me and he says, uh, yeah I do, Gary, I do. He says, looks at me and says when things get tough he said they're going to get really tough. And he flat out just looked at me and they're going to get really tough. You come in to work and you focus every hour on doing your job you don't let anything outside Affect the job that you're doing operationally every hour to make sure that you're working to make yourself better," he said. "Because if you can't, if you don't do that, it'll chew you up." And I walked out. Me being, you know, I'm gonna be head coach here in in 24 hours. I'm going to my interview at Toledo. I walked out thinking, man, that's pretty decent advice, you know. You know, not not. I had no idea that was the best advice I was ever given ever. Uh, Yeah, wow, pretty powerful.
1: I bet that's, you, that's tough to do. Like,
0: but you have to, if, if you don't learn to do it, and, and what you do is you don't, the first year, I've been head coach 25 years, the first two years I was at Toledo, I read some of the articles in the papers and stuff. So after that point, I never read, well that next 23 years, I never read an article about me ever. And most of them were positive. I didn't do it for, for advice and I didn't do it for my ego. I just lived in my world. Now, my sports information guy let me know what the climate was because I had to know what my players were doing. You know, I, I had to be aware of what's going on. That was, I give that advice to everybody. That's, that's the best, the, the best advice you can do is just, and now you got to dodge your phone. You know, you can't, you have, you have to take the Twitter off, do all those things because, you know, the stuff's everywhere. <laughs> it comes, it mm-hmm. <laughs> comes through the sky in many different ways now.
1: Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about what coaches sometimes maybe wish they could say to fans or wish they could stand up and say publicly or Mm -hmm. I know you appreciate the fans but at the same time you think to yourself man what a bunch of dumb butts or whatever that they don't they don't know they don't understand and and even I feel that way sometimes on social media. Somebody will come at me with something, and I'm like, "There's no explaining to this person when yeah. how they're wrong." Yes. Or- yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Most people think they're one thing. I've, one thing There's a lot of things. Observations I've had. One is that I didn't realize people said those bad things about me when I was coaching. Because <laughs> now I'm up, you, I hear people you know talk about things. I saw oh, they, they wouldn't never say anything. like which is which is which is, right. which is, which is uh, false. They, they certainly did. Because everybody thinks. Everybody, I go to high school games now. and you listen to these people around me. I'm, you know, I'm professional. I don't have all the answers, but I've been doing it my whole life. And you should hear these people critique what's going on. And most of them, most of them have no idea what they're talking about, right. but they think they do. And that's that's the greatness about about football. You know, they think they do. And uh, so you know you have to you have to learn all you have to learn to, to separate all those things and I
1: bet you bite your tongue sitting in
0: yeah yeah for me I just right, I just I just, I just gotta let it go I just uh, you
1: know I don't say much just gotta let everybody else do what they say but I'll tell you I don't know and I'm I'm a youth sports parent so I don't exclude myself from this but I don't know of any parent who doesn't want the best for their kid but a lot of us even if you think you know what you're doing a lot of times we don't know what the heck we're doing Mm -hmm. um and so I'm always interested to hear like somebody who's viewed it from a coach's perspective Mm -hmm. and the way kids are handled and, and how they you know come through your world and the different backgrounds they have it's a big question but what kind of advice do you give parents in sports What's, what's something you can tell them that's just a well, uh, mistake uh,
0: uh, I, just, I just think as you know I, I think as a parent I think you have to first of all you want your kids to have fun okay and and for you to critique them on top of the coaches uh, is not to, not very wise in my opinion uh, I, I also let the kids get coached and stay out of it stay away from it, okay? One of the great lessons of football is you get knocked down you gotta get back up. You don't need mommy and Daddy going up to the coach. why isn't my, why isn't Bobby playing? You know just I, I, I would tell absolutely and that's a rule that I had. I said, don't ever talk to me, have your mom and dad call me about playing. I never had a coach a play a, I had one time I had a parent call me about playing and, and I called Johnny in and I said, Johnny did you talk, did you talk to um, your mom and dad about why you're not playing? Well, no, no, do you know why you're not playing? Well, yeah, you tell me. And he tells me, and I said, okay, I want you get on the phone here. You know, you get out of here and call your dad and mom and tell them why you're not playing and what do you have to do to play. Okay, make sure you tell them that too. I would never, ever, I never, ever once talked to parents about playing when I was head football coach in 25 years. Not one time. Really? Which is kind of interesting. But I, I think that, I think, you know, letting your kids experience and, and, the, and the tough parts of it, about all, it's okay to have it. One of the great things about sports, you're going to have adversity, and you got to battle through it. And, and, and parents are so protective of their kids, you know, they, you know as, as they've more so than they've ever been. They want everything to work out well for Johnny. And Beth. You know, they want everything to, and life's not like that. And, and one of the great things about sport is you get your rear end kicked a little bit, and you got to get back up, brush yourself off, you got to get back and do it. Yeah. And allow your kids to experience that and, 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 and explain to them that that's going to help them grow and become better and so on and so forth. So um, I think those are really the, the things there uh, that's great. That, that are most important.
1: A lot of great stuff from retired Missouri coach and prior to that at Toledo, Gary Pinkle in our first ever Being podcast. Being started as a TV series. Maybe you've seen it on ESPN. It started with Being Brett Bielema. Season two was Being P.J. Fleck. Stay tuned for season three to be announced soon. And stay tuned for the next Being podcast as we look at interesting sports personalities and issues or topics in the sports world.